Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 93. My name is Brando, and uh, coming up in just a few minutes, going to be speaking with Danko Jones. He's been around for the band. I mean, is it's the guy and the band have been around since uh, the late '90s. Um, I'm not sure if I owe him an apology. Uh, we'll get to that when when Danko comes on. Uh, but first, I want to get to our very special co-host for the day, uh, listener Alex. I mean, your name isn't listener Alex. You're a listener of the show, uh, Alex from Michigan, right? Yeah, you got it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, uh, you know, responding to my my query. I put on Facebook and Twitter. I'm like, hey, I got this interview with Danko Jones. I think it would be a cool opportunity because I put it out there before, and obviously uh, some listeners like Sir Kev from Ireland, uh, Ray from the UK, uh, people have come on to co-host shows, and this is just another opportunity. So I want to keep giving these yeah. opportunities uh, out because you guys are the reason why I'm doing the show. So um, I, and I don't know if any other show whether it be podcast or radio does this. So I want to be able to do something unique and special to the listener. You know, I mean, hopefully one day I'll have like giveaways or something like that, or give you, you know, uh, coupons or Groupon or whatever. But, you know, in That's addition cool. to just the, the normal radio giveaways, how about giving away a slot to sit, you know, metaphorically and, and talk to a rock star. So uh, that'll be coming up. Alex, you, you have, have you ever interviewed anybody before ever done anything in radio before? You know, um, not like this. No, uh, my band actually, we played a couple of radio gigs uh, in my community, you know, for like a local community college. So that'd be the closest thing. Um, and they'd do like small, like little interviews in between the set. So that was pretty cool. And that was all live. And then um, let's see, a few years ago, actually, another GNR forum member had like kind of a fan podcast I was on. And other than that, this is really it. So. All right. Well, you got a, you had a good, strong voice. You know, I appreciate. it. And if you want to give your band, a, thank you. You know, a plug or a shout out. You know, of course, we want to try oh, cool. to spend. Oh, well, uh, yeah. If anyone cares to check us out, we're called the uh, the Dirty News, and we are from Metro Detroit in Michigan. The Dirty News or the Muse? Yep. News, news. Okay, like shotgun yeah, have, news. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have a four song EP on like Spotify, YouTube, wherever you can find it. And uh, yeah, it'd be cool if anyone wants to check us out. Awesome. Appreciate uh, appreciate you uh, you sharing that. And appreciate speaking of uh, news and shotgun news. News. The first thing in, in shotgun news, uh, I guess we'll we'll have a sound clip that goes along with it. I, it really made uh, worldwide uh, attention because Axel did an unAxel thing. Of injections because I got sick today and been throwing up for about the last five hours. So instead of cancel, I'm going to do the best show we can for you. And I'm not going to worry about running around. So yeah, Axel got sick in Abu Dhabi and doing the unAxel thing, where you know uh, whether whatever the real story is. I know uh, we both had, we had Teddy Zigzag and Roberta tell the story about Axel didn't go on stage when uh, the whole Metallica thing happened because he he couldn't hear himself, his throat or whatever. And here he is puking his guts out, and he does like half a show, which is more than most bands do in a full show. I mean, yeah, it's still about two hours, so you can't really fault him for that. No, it was very weird seeing fans. Some fans get like pissed off, you know, saying, "Yeah, uh, you know, um, I, I, I guess, you know, in a sense, I can understand being disappointed. You know, I saw a post saying this, and I agree with it. I can totally understand being disappointed, and that has nothing to do with you know him being sick or anything." You want to see the full show, and you know you want to see the full show. That's that. But you definitely can't fault him for trying. And no. thank God, I've had the stomach flu before, and it's the most you know debilitating thing ever. I can't imagine playing a two-hour show, let alone singing. Dude, so. it's like I don't want to breathe when you you get the, oh, the stomach yeah. flu and your things are coming out of both ends, and <laughs> you know it's just a 
it's awful. And and to do a show, yeah. and I, I think he mentioned like he just doesn't want to run around as much, but just to do a whole show, and then people were like, oh well, he should have still ended on Paradise City. But who knows yeah, what the game I mean, plan I, was, though? You know, I kind of I kind of said some things like that too. Like maybe it would have been better if they tailored it to a two hour set. But you can tell the intention was to play the full show. So I guess, you know, that's pretty cool in itself. Yeah, Even I think so. Maybe I do think they should have just played a two-hour show. But honestly, you know, if you're looking at the set list, I mean, the only must-play song they didn't really play, you know, for a casual fan would probably be Paradise City. You know, you have other hits like Night Train, uh, Patience, Don't Cry. But the only, like, must-play every show song they didn't really play was Paradise City. So, I mean, you, you know, can't... I feel like if they just played that after, you know, no one would even notice from the casual crowd. So yeah, then people are like, "Oh, you should get, uh, you know, Duff to sing this, that." I mean, like, like this was like, thought, yeah. I mean, it was a two-hour show, so that's not really necessary in my, you know, it was a complete show, right? In my mind, you know, it wasn't finished, but it was complete. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, I totally get it, and I just keep thinking, you know, like, yeah, it's like invasion of the body snatchers. I mean, we've been talking about it since the reunion, <laughs> but like Axel, he's just a. You know, whatever, you know, whatever mindset he's in now uh, is just wonderful to see. And he, he's putting it out there. You know, he did his own version of a, I mean, he did the Dave Grohl thing uh, with his broken leg, but now he took it to yeah, the next I level. Got to, uh, I got to see that. And it was, it was nuts because I, I flew out uh, for those first Vegas gigs. Mm -hmm. I, I attended the first show of, you know, the first Vegas reunion show and all that. And it was awesome. It was like a GNR fan convention. There'll never be anything like that again. So, you know, we were all like on this high almost, you know, there's such a buzz going around the city. And I remember I was sitting with my buddy, we were getting lunch. Like, I think it was like the day before the day of the show at one of the hotels. And, you know, I was going on the GNR boards and all that. And I saw like Axel's leg broken or foot broken or something. And my heart just sank. I was like, oh my God, the show is going to be canceled. This is so typical. It would be Axel, all this. And, you know, I got to give them props, man. They, they really made the best out of a bad situation there. And it ended up being a great show. And same thing with Abu Dhabi, and, and it's amazing. Yeah. And then when he uh, arrived in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, uh, he said, I want to thank all the fans, the band N. You know, I love how he keeps that instead of and, the the, G, the Guns N' Roses N, everyone, and, uh, for their concern and well wishes. Um, uh, this flu uh, or whatever it is, a wild ride, comes in waves. You're okay until you're not, does the, the throw up emoji. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's something else, man. Is this and and he felt he that said like great. and then he said like I felt lame explaining myself earlier. Like who is this Axel? Like that's all he used yeah, to I know. do. I think it's good he did. Yeah, but you know it's funny. You now that I think not in this lifetime. You know we're going on almost three years here. Yeah, mammoth tour. I mean this has got to be one of the biggest tours of all time. Not just money, but just length of time. You know, um, there are bands that form and then break up after three years. So uh, it's, very it's crazy. true. You know, I could be wrong, but I can't think of a single actual canceled show or anything, you know, so I think that's great. I can't think of one either, and and, and please, yeah. you know, if anyone does, just, you know, write, yeah, write back wrong, to the podcast but, you know, just let us know. But I, yeah, yeah I, I know it made headlines that they were late last time they played in the Middle East, I remembered, last year because of traffic, which is silly if you think about it, and even that was only like an hour or two maybe, which used to be the norm, so I just think it's awesome. All things considered, man, I mean, this band is is, is going, and it's, it's pretty cool, yeah. and, and, and it just helps us yeah, think and, about what the future could be, you know? Yeah, and I'm guilty of this, because the tour's been going on so long, and I attended, you know, shows at the very start, you know, that first American leg and the Vegas show, and then I saw them a year later in 2017. So for me, it feels really long, and like it's almost dragging on, but, you know, I also have to think about it from the other side, how, how cool it is they're playing, you know, places like south africa and hawaii iceland um yeah iceland i think they played the philippines like all these countries you know that they might not have seen guns and roses before had the opportunity so you know it just goes to show that to a lot of people that the tour is just beginning in a sense because it's the first show they're getting to see true and it's i take easy for someone like me to take that for granted and you know it's easy to complain about not getting new music and things like that which i'm guilty of like every day on the gnr forums but at the <laughs> same time i think it's awesome that they're still playing to a lot of people that haven't seen the band before. I agree. And I think that's maybe why the set list doesn't change too much because they want to give everybody... You know, I and with me, you know, I know there, there's a lot of controversy on the set list and things like that, but God, for me, you know, I, I, I've never been one to really complain so much about the set because, you know, they play almost everything, even deep cuts for us diehard fans, you know? I mean, 
GNR, they don't have a ton of material in the first place, but mm. it's cool. They play almost everything. You know, uh, the last show I saw was over three hours long. You know, it had a little bit of everything for everybody. So, you know, if, if they played a two-hour show and they rotated all these songs throughout the tour, people probably wouldn't complain as much because it, it makes it seem more dynamic, whereas now they just play everything every night almost. You know what I mean? So. Oh, for sure. It, we're, yeah. It's we're in a, a good. I think we're in a good place. I've said it before. In in uh, in being a Guns N' Roses fan, I know a lot of people will say the opposite with lack of communication. Yeah, I know um, we talked about the copyright stuff, but I mean, all, where we were, where we were yeah, when Danko sure. Jones was uh, opening up for GNR, where we were, we are in a much different place, and I think a very yeah. You know, I've place. I've always been a supporter of all the lineups, even though you know I I get why some people don't consider certain lineups the same band because in a sense it's not the same band that started in the mid 80s and that's okay you know uh, but at the same time you know uh yeah I, I would definitely agree i mean it's great to have you know key members like slash and duff back and seemingly getting along great with axel um and putting on these massive shows and you know it's it's i, I guess what i'm saying is you know that in itself is i think worth it the stagnation it almost seems like right now because a few years ago, you know, we didn't even imagine this would happen. That's what I'm saying. It's just... Uh, yeah, and the, the real... Yeah. The, and I'm saying this as someone who was a fan. I love Chinese Democracy. I, I love that show I saw with Daniel Jones. That was my first Guns concert, you know? That'll forever be one of my favorite shows ever. But, you know, I'm still very happy with how things are now because, you know, most of us, you know, at our heart, you know, in our core, we wanted to see Flash and Duff at least back in the band. Yeah, um, you know, I was I'm, I'm a converted Buckethead fan. That was my first show. Oh yeah, oh, I love I love Buckethead. Uh, Bumblefoot Ron is one of my absolute favorite musicians. You know, I, you know, Robin was insanely creative in the band. So you know, it's not it's not a knock on any of those guys. Those are some of my favorite guitar players, and you know, Chinese are some of my favorite guitar parts. But we never you know, saw like, Axel and Slash. We never saw Mom right, and Dad I, on I, stage. You know, I'm 27 now. I didn't get a chance to see you know that band the one that, you know, I really became a fan of and fell in love with. And that's not a knock on the other lineups or Chinese democracy. In fact, like, I, I wouldn't even want Flash on Chinese democracy, you know, on the recordings because I like the album so much, but that doesn't mean I'm not happy with how things are now, you know, like, I, that, that the fact of the matter is, you know, I became a Guns N' Roses fan because of Guns N' Roses, you know, those classic lineups and the band that made the band. So yeah. I'm happy that that's relatively back, you know. <laughs> I got it. I got it. And then the the last uh, bit of shotgun news before we get to uh, to Danko, um, I guess the only person right now is complaining. And I, um, I don't know. I mean, we we've, I, I, we I've talked uh, on the air how I talked to Doug Goldstein off the air, uh, former Guns N' Roses manager. Uh, we've had Alan Niven on a couple of times, uh, but I mean, Doug tweeted this, so I know it's it's fair game. And our friends at uh, Alternative Nation. Uh, which of course you can find us on, um, made it into an article, so it's it's out there. Uh, Doug tweeted to Fernando, the current uh, manager of Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. "You guys are unreal." Niven was with GNR for three years and hired a Satan specialist to cast spells on Axel and myself. I was with Axel for 17 years and more than double the band's royalty rates. Niven gets thanked on the new box set and nothing mentioning me. Wow. And that's him saying wow, but I will also add a wow. <laughs> wow. Um Yeah, that's that's a mouthful right there. Yeah, uh that's something I you know, I'll get Doug on the show at some point we talked about it, but mm-hmm. you know, he's a he's a busy dude and of course. um we'll we'll see what we get into because he really I was surprised by that because he's a really overwhelmingly positive guy. Uh really nice guy. I I know when we've had Alan on, he you know he's not the biggest fan of of Doug, but Doug won't say anything bad about Alan, even off the air. Uh, and when we had Roberta, yeah. when we had Roberta on, uh, she told us that story about how um, Doug told her not to to do like the backups of knocking on Heaven's door. That Axel didn't want it. Then Axel came out of the dressing room and and then said, "Oh, I I, I oh you do a great job, Roberta." So and Roberta was basically Roberta was saying that Doug was lying to her about something. So. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, there's always like three sides of the story. Like, they're like, yours, theirs, and the truth. Yeah. So I don't know. I just know my experiences with, you know, yeah, Roberta is awesome. Uh, she actually apologized to me for she came into New York for 
uh, the holidays and she didn't have time to visit me. I was like, I that's fine. I, the fact that you even consider <laughs> I wanted so to cool. meet me for you know a drink think, or whatever. Uh, she sang with like Pink Floyd and things too, right? Yeah, Pink yeah, Pink yeah. Songs. Yeah, that's that's an amazing career. Wow. Yeah, no, she's she's killing it right now. Uh, with uh, yeah. with this really. A lot of, um, not to sidetrack too much, but she does this big uh, Pink Floyd production with a lot of uh, other famous musicians. Oh, you know musicians. what? I, I did hear of that. Yeah, with some musicians I played with, you know, on the side and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I wish I had her in. Uh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, no, she's killing it. I mean, she'll be, she'll be on uh, again, I'm sure, in the future. I'm, I'm glad that we've awesome. developed a good relationship. But that's, I mean, like, I'm cool with her. So whatever she said about Doug, I'm like, all right, I'm going to just go in with my own mindset. Yeah. And same and thing think, with Alan. You know, it's like the same thing, and so I'm I'm cool with I'm you know my experiences I'm I'm cool with all of them. It's just course, I just don't yeah. know what the history is behind it. But obviously Doug uh, felt hurt enough to to tweet that, and the tweet is not deleted because as we're recording this uh, Thursday, November oh yeah November 29th, he I don't know it's been up for like a day and a half. So yeah, and you know like especially with GNR, you know they're such a massive band. They're almost not even a band anymore. Now they're like a separate company with like smaller companies within them, you know, each member, I guess you could say, at least the big ones. So like when you get, you know, something like that, especially with such volatile personalities like Axel, you know, um, you're going to have, I think a hundred different sides of every story and story and like different opinions and like, you know, different truths almost, if that makes sense, you know, and sure. it's probably impossible to even know what really happened back then and who was wrong and I who know. was crazy and who wasn't. And, you know, especially, you know, you and I were super fans, but we weren't there. And I'm sure a lot of these, I guess you can call them characters almost, you know, they, they all have their own version of events too. So I agree. I mean, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure just from what we know, you know, from the opinions of other people like Slash, you know, Doug was more of an Axel guy and, all that and you know when you have people like that and again i'm just talking as a fan i could be completely wrong you know they try and appease appease that person without always going through them so like in a story like you mentioned with roberta doug might have thought that was pissing axel off or he might have heard axel say something weeks before but he took it into his own hands you know what i mean but i don't know it's just speculation exactly so i can only take someone's word i like i hear you what you're saying i appreciate and respect Mm -hmm. what you're saying and but i can only go into you yeah, know, and uh, it's important yeah. to hear everyone's opinions because, I mean, Doug's recollection of events, you know, even if it's a truth or a lie, is still what he's saying. And he was an actual person there that's an actual part of the band's history. You know what I mean? So it's worth listening sure. to, in my opinion. Well, like I said, you know, I, I never thought, uh, you know, I would have gotten complimented by both, uh, you know, former. Well, I, we, we've also had Vicki Hamilton on. Uh, but yeah. they've all been very nice to me, so I can only go from there. I would, I would tell yeah, you if someone is a dick, and, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. But no, they've and been very sweet. Have, yeah, when you have a band that's big too, you're gonna have a lot of people that do get left out, and you know they get hurt, they get angry. I mean, unfortunately, it even happens with former band members. You know what I mean? It's just the nature of the beast. I'm not yeah. saying that's okay or not. It's just what happens. So when that happens, you know exaggerations tend to happen too it's the, especially decades later the human condition so we'll, we'll yeah. see when uh when doug comes on i mean we'll, we'll see what he wants to talk about i would just like to because mm-hmm. i think he's an interesting guy and you know i, I want to talk about his uh his charity work with uh opioid addiction and because that's something that you know i mm-hmm. talk about on the show what of course when it connects the six degrees of kevin bacon with gnr you know addiction <laughs> or depression any of that stuff so anyway yeah. that's that that's a future episode we're talking episode 93 right now and uh, I believe we're going to get uh, Danko Jones on the line right now. Hey, Danko, can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name is Brandon. I really appreciate you you, uh, you taking time. I was worried about... I've never dialed that many numbers before. You've never dialed out of America, then? No. I, uh, I think I had a calling card when I would dial my Canadian girlfriend, which is, always sounds like a, an excuse. Oh, I have a, girl, a girlfriend in Canada. I actually did once, and I think it was during the... Uh, I didn't see you open for GNR. That was with um, Sebastian Bach and the Suicide Girls, but it was that era. Uh, so I haven't. Okay. I've never dialed. And in, in you're in you're in Germany. No, we're in Italy right now. Oh, okay. Are are we? Is someone sleeping? You sound like you're you're being quiet. No one's sleeping. No, I'm in the dressing room. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, again, I appreciate you uh, you taking the time and uh, just so you know, uh, on the line, um, you know, sometimes I let listeners come on and. And, and kind of just be play co-host to somebody, you know, uh, one okay. of the rock heroes. 
So this is Alex from Michigan. Hey, Nico. Hey, how's it going? How you doing, man? <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. No, Good. he he saw you open up for for Guns N' Roses back in uh, in 2010. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was sweet. So uh, I, I want to, because you guys have been around for for quite a while, and you know this badass rock and roll band from from Canada. So you know, I, I kind of like to get a, a little bit of a background story because I don't know any other Danko. Is that your 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 Jewish name, your Hebrew name? Where, where did you, and I say that facetiously, of course? Where did you? Um, how did you? Where did it first start for you? Is, is Danko Jones your your first your uh, real name? I guess if I if I can ask that. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, we started in '96 in Toronto, and uh, we've been going now for 22 years. That's incredible. Like they have the energy that you guys continuously put out, um, and it's been. Like, where did it start? In like, who were your influences? Because like, was it Rush? Was it like being in Canada? How like who? Uh, really made you want to get into rock like what kind of kid were you was it always about rock and roll did you foresee yourself being you know uh yeah being a, an, an accountant like was it always rock for you um uh, i don't know <laughs> i i liked rock and roll we started a band and we just started playing live and then we started to tour other cities outside of toronto and then before we knew it we were touring longer and longer and farther and farther away did you like foresee that you would be playing rock for? Geez, I was bar mitz- um, I was bar mitzvah in nineteen ninety six. Not to make you feel old, but I was bar mitzvah in ninety six. So that's a long time. Like that, you've been able to make a career for yourself and be on, uh, you know, play with so many uh, great people that you've played with. Did you ever foresee in two thousand eighteen you'd still be doing it? Um, no, not really. I don't think anybody looks twenty two years into the future. <laughs> <laughs> you just are along for the ride, and that's it. No, we're not along for the ride. We're we're doing this seriously, but nobody looks twenty two years into the future and and plans that out. Right. I don't think I don't know anybody who does that. You just you just go um, one step at a time. Sure. These days we plan things out a little further into the future, but not twenty two years. It's usually about a twelve month plan. Yeah. Well, you know, with making a record and touring and obviously you're taking it seriously, but I guess it's kind of what I mean by living in the moment where, you know, like, hey, you know what? You picked up the guitar for the first time and you know what? This is this is going to be my life. Or is it, hey, I'm going to do this and and perhaps go to college. Like I can only compare it to myself and radio. It took me um, about seven years to get full time and I would have you know, the quote nine to five jobs during the week and I would go up to. You know, here in New York, I would drive up to Poughkeepsie in the Hudson Valley over the, on, on the weekends and, and, and in hopes that one day that I can uh, one day make a living off of just radio. So I don't know if it was like that where you if you were working, you know, and you were working and doing the band thing at the same time. And then at some point it came all, well, it all course, came together. When we started out, I mean, we didn't we didn't start the band and then just like quit our jobs and and just <laughs> start living off the band some that people do some time. No. we didn't sign a we didn't sign some sort of crazy record deal before our first gig we were all working and then playing on the weekends and playing during the week and then slowly as the band's commitments take priority you eventually have to make a decision whether you should quit your job and we all eventually made that decision and we didn't look back who were your your influences uh, growing up? Who inspired you? Um, that's a question I get asked a lot, and and usually you know you can list off a few names of bands, and um, it's always uh, a list that's needing uh, about a hundred more names. So there's a lot of influences, especially in this band. So you know I could say the usual Kiss, Stones, um, you know. Uh, Ramones, uh, Misfits, uh, but I'm probably going to miss about 100 other acts. Oh, sure. I mean, there's there's so many uh, different names. But uh, Alex has a, has a question. What do you want to ask Danko? Yeah, I was just curious. You know, I, I'm in a band, and, you know, we play like as hobbyists, and, you know, we take it seriously, and it's a lot of fun and all that. But, you know, it's, it is difficult juggling, like, you know, work and band commitments and family commitments and things like that. So I was just wondering, like, was there like a certain point like where you decided like it was worth it or was it just like more of a risk thing at the start or I mean, was well, there like it a was big... all a risk okay. to, to quit your job and, and, and do it full time. But in, 
the reason why we ended up quitting our jobs was because the, the tour commitments wouldn't uh, our jobs wouldn't allow us to include tour commitments and and, and so we had to make a decision so we, we wanted to do the tour so we quit our jobs but we, we didn't have any like serious jobs they were all like part-time jobs in order for us to do this so it wasn't as if we were quitting a you know, uh, um, some sort of salary job. Um, so it was easy on that, that on that end. But still, it's the reason why we didn't have salary jobs is because our commitment was with the band. Cool. Right on. Yeah, I can definitely respect that. That's awesome. When would you uh, consider, what would you consider like your first break when you were started like maybe playing clubs like locally in Toronto and then all of a sudden when you started doing internationally going to the States, what were you... Was it a certain band that took you along? Was it a certain song or album that let launch you when you're like, hey, you know what? This is, I feel good where I am right now. Well, when we came out, we were lucky enough. We played with the New Bomb Turks in 96, and that was a very highly publicized uh, gig because they had just signed with Epitaph, so they had some sort of buzz behind them. Um, inevitably, that never really panned out for the Turks signing on Epitaph, but for the for the few months that, you know, the signing happened. We opened up for them in Toronto, and after that show, we had a bit of a buzz. Since Toronto is kind of the center point of Canada for music and the music industry, word kind of spread. And then um, another break happened when we we got a, a chance to be on a Swedish label in Europe called Bad Taste Records. We did a tour for about five weeks, and we played with the Backyard Babies and. Dragon from the Backyard Baby Sauce, and the babies took us out on tour with them. So we ended up doing Europe in the fall of 2001 with them. And after that, we just started headlining Europe. So I really kind of think those were two of the, the points where, you know, it helped us the most. Has anything uh, changed within the band as far as musically uh, at the beginning where you are now? Because you put out like a lot of records. I mean, obviously this is a, uh, a GNR centered, uh, podcast, but it, we use it as kind of like a launching point because the spread our, our family tree, of course, uh, GNR only has a certain amount of albums. Uh, you have just a lot of music for fans to enjoy. So has anything changed within you? Cause you haven't aged. I mean, you still look like you're 20. Uh, Oh, thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, well, when we started out, uh, we're a garage rock band. We were heavily influenced by being from Toronto. There's a Detroit scene, and that influenced a lot of Toronto bands, and we got kind of roped into all that with the Leather Uppers and the, the Gories and all that. Um, and so we didn't really, we weren't really able to get signed on any kind of, kind of be on any kind of garage label. Uh, they all said no to us. And it was okay because we wanted to kind of change up our sound anyway, so we kind of went for a more hard rock type sound. And uh, that kind of opened doors for us as well. In a weird way, it, it, it uh, kind of expanded our sounds. We got labeled, you know, kind of ostracized by the scene. And that helped in a way too, so we just didn't look back and just started touring. What was your scene? Uh, would you... Cause- we talk to a lot of people who are, uh, I mean, obviously with GNR, it's the, the Sunset Strip. We've spoken to a lot of people about the New York scene. What scene would you say you came from, from, the, I guess, the Canadian scene? but Because you, you also do a lot of stuff in Europe. So what would you, I guess, feel like your cloth is cut from? If that well, makes sense. every city has its own scene, right? Mm-hmm. And every, every, every few years that scene changes over. So we came out in 96, and... 96 Toronto, in 96, the scene, I mean, in, in the American underground was pretty much garage rock. It was a huge scene. And that was all over North America. I mean, in Vancouver and out in the West Coast, you had bands like the Mance and Huevos Rancheros, the Smugglers. Um, and this is just in Canada. There's, uh, um, there's us, there's the, the Leather Uppers. Uh, and then in America, there was everyone from the Dirt Bombs to the Oblivions to the Gory uh, to the Makers to the to I guess Jesus. I mean, and then it went worldwide with like Guitar Wolf and Team Generate from Japan. 
um, Reverend Beatman in Switzerland, the helicopters in Sweden, Glucifer in Norway, um, Flame Sideburns from from Finland. Um, there's like a there's like a ton of bands, and eventually, the White Stripes and the Hive took it overground, and mm. the scene kind of imploded. And, and there's still a scene, but it wasn't as vibrant and as widespread as it, it once was in the 90s. So that's the scene we came out of. And so, of course, whether you were in Detroit or whether you were in New York or Los Angeles or Toronto, each city in North America had their own scene and own list of bands that were from their city. So that's where we came out of. Right on. Because I, I like to see the uh, the path of where you came from. Because, you no, know, you're right, every city has... I mean, me being from Long Island, where I grew up, it was a lot about uh, a ska and, and Taking Back Sunday, that era, but uh, just to know where it... Well, I mean, within mm-hmm. a city, there's so many different scenes. Of course, there's a ska scene and a garage rock scene and a metal scene and a, and a hip-hop scene in every city. But the scene that we came out of was the garage punk rock scene. I never made that connection, too, and I like that, that you can follow that. You know, well, like- that's because we, we, we changed our sound. Um, right around you know 2000, mm-hmm. we started to just veer off into a more heavy rock sound, incorporated more classic rock elements. Um, something that was led by bands like the Helicopters. Mm. And I'm talking about the the, the line though that uh, like where the White Stripes and, and, the, and the Hives came from. That it really could be, you know, traced back to to Danko Jones to that era. That you're right. Like I. It didn't really well, hear. No, we're, I mean, we're connected in the. We're connected into because we're in the. You know, we're all kind of come from the garage rock. Right. Scene. I mean, the White Stripes were from Michigan, so it was four hours away from Toronto. No, I meant like universally connected, as far as like that. That's the, the how the the sound has um, evolved. You know, not a direct okay. connection, just kind of. A, you know, I'm sure you would. You know, like that if they cited you as a. You know, influence, but I meant just more of like a universal. You know, I'm trying to be uh, philosophical and failing miserably. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Jack White did cover one of our songs in 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 one of his other bands. Okay. Um, in 2006. Did you ever meet him? Like, did you, was that a, a surprise to you that Jack uh, that he covered you? Uh, yeah, it was a surprise. I never met. I've never met him, but they were covering us. The uh, raconteurs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh, right on. Oh, that's very cool. Um, so other than like being influenced by all the, the this garage and, and punk rock, did you grow up? Uh, I mean, I guess the obvious would be, I mean, how can you avoid Guns N' Roses at a certain time? But were you a major fan or were they, like, were they an influence or they was, were they, you didn't care? Where were you with, uh, you know, with Guns N' Roses? And I guess how did that, that tour come to be uh, in 2010 when you opened for them and, in, uh, I believe in Canada and also uh, overseas uh, in St. Petersburg, where it was one of the shows. Um, well, yeah, I was, I was definitely a fan of Appetite for Destruction. I think it's one of the best rock records ever made. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much uh, uh, agreed by everyone. Right? <laughs> sure, you won't get too many people who will disagree with that. Um, and uh, how we got to tour with Guns N' Roses for for a full year was through someone in the camp liking us and kind of suggesting it to Axel. And of course, Axel has the last say. And we got on the uh, Canadian tour with Sebastian Bach in January, February of 2010, and we toured Canada across Canada with them. And and then. We started. We just kept getting asked to to play shows with them, and eventually, by the end of the year, we had played ten countries with them. Wow! And uh, we were easy to we were an easy band for them to to ask because we didn't ask for much. We were always on time, and we could play longer if they needed to. They we, we never complained, and it was a pretty they didn't have to worry about anything if they had us on the bill, basically. Uh, Alex, where did you see, uh, say you saw uh, Danko open for GNR? Uh, It was actually my first GNR gig, so I was, like, super stoked. It was, like, maybe 
um, my first year of college. It was the London, Ontario show, and I'm from Metro Detroit. So at the time, I was going to college in Lansing. So, you know, we didn't have a car. I went with my best friends. Um, we just we knew we had to go, so we just bought tickets and we made it work. And we made a little trip out of it, and it was just awesome. And you know, waiting for the show, we were just waiting for Guns to come on. And you know, I wasn't really as familiar with your music, Danko, but you ended up putting on a great set. So it's a really good show. Thanks. And I have a little, uh, see, I don't know if you'll remember this, but when I was doing my research for the show, uh, this video, it's uh, Danko, uh, I guess, introducing himself for uh, a GNR show in, in St. Uh, Petersburg. So if you don't mind, I, don't, I just want to add some production to this. And welcome to uh, Russia. We are in St. Petersburg, and uh, we're going to play with Guns N' Roses today. It's us and Guns N' Roses, and uh, we've never been to Russia. And here we are. Tuesday we're playing in Moscow. As you can see, we really are in Russia. The, the, the signs are in Russian in some crazy lettering that I can't make out. I don't know if you remember that at all. Uh, but what do you... Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, what do you remember, I guess, about that, that tour? What was the experience like? Because um, every opening band is, is could be different. You know, I don't know if you, you would hang out with any of the guys or... Um, I mean, I know Axel obviously gave you the, the A-OK, but did he ever... You know, did, you, did any of them watch you side stage? Because if you can tell us about the uh, the year on tour with GNR. Um, yeah, we we hung out with uh, the band. Uh, they're all really cool guys. Um, it's changed since 2010, of course, um, uh, but everyone was very cool to us, crew and and band and Axel. Everyone was cool, and I got to hang out with Axel uh, uh, three times. So he he was great. I, I've, we have no complaints about touring with Guns N' Roses. In fact, I mean, if, if they wanted us to do it again in a second, we'd do it, of course. Mm. You got to uh, go on stage, too, at one show, right? Didn't you uh, play a song or two with them? Uh, yeah, that happened a few times. Um, yeah, a few times, actually. To sing um, Night Train and Patience. Happened a couple of times. Uh, I'd say three times. Yeah. Wow. Not many. I don't know of any. I mean, Alex, correct me, and I'm sure our listeners uh, will. But have any opening acts really gone on, been invited to play with GM? You know, it's it's actually pretty rare, as far as you know. I can imagine. Now that I'm thinking about uh, it. No, uh, Sebastian Bach. Oh, well, he's done I, it a few times. Yeah, he's a big one. He's he's. I um, guess Sebastian's his own animal. He's different. I yeah. guess. <laughs> Right, savage animal. I, I honestly don't know who else, but but uh, yeah, I sang back up on patience with uh, with the band and uh, sang night train with Sebastian and Axel, and yeah, it was pretty wild. It was great. No, I swear, Axel was really nice to me. How did that? Um, did they say something like, "Hey," or you were watching side stage and they waved you on, or was it pre-planned? Because that's, that's, that's uh, cool. yeah, yeah, both. Um, but uh, both times, actually, I was just watching side stage, and they waved me on <laughs> for those for two times. I remember, and then once Axel called me on. So that's awesome. That's got to be like being knighted, in in a way. It's 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 it's, it's, it's... <laughs> yeah, in a way, I guess. Uh, in some sort of way, I took it like that. Sure. You know, I I can't help but think of um because we've had both uh both Graham and Tyler on from Tyler Bryant and the shakedown who have opened up for, for GNR. And they both corroborated the same story that Axel once said to them, Oh, uh, an opening band that, I mean, they've had a million opening bands. So I, I think it was just a compliment to them that like an opening band that we won't have to ignore. I mean, obviously they took you out for a year, uh, but they, I, I guess like the, I guess the array of different opening acts that they've had, you know, especially on this night, this lifetime. So whether it be Tyler Bryant, which I guess GNR fans have introduced a lot of people to, and obviously Alex, and I think I knew, I've heard about you guys on Long Island. You guys used to play at the, the downtown, so I've heard about you guys for a long time. Uh, that there's just like an, an array of opening acts, and I just love what GNR did on that, not in this lifetime. So I would love to see Danko go out with them again. Especially since they're yeah, sure. they're touring uh, the world like everywhere, and that, that's something that certainly doesn't frighten you to go to all these different countries. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, if they ask us, we'll we'll do it. They're definitely 
probably the, the most in-demand band to open for. So there's a lot of bands who, who are trying to get that slot. Um, bands who can pretty much headline their own tours are opening for them. So we have to stand in line with, with everyone else. But there was a window in 2010 when we pretty much were the easiest band for them to take out wherever it was. You're forever part of the uh, alum. I mean, I think uh, GNR opening bands have uh, their own Wikipedia yeah. page. <laughs> well, and that was that was such an important time too for you know us diehard fans of the band. You know, that was like the first big tour after Chinese Democracy came out. So it's really notable, notable, you know, and we really remember everything about those initial shows in 2010. So yeah, um, uh, a lot of the the set in 2010 was Chinese Democracy. Mm-hmm. So. Were you a fan of that uh, that record? You know, obviously growing up with an appetite for destruction, but well, yeah, you hear yeah. it every night for a year, and eventually <laughs> all the songs will any any album will rub off on you. And there's a <laughs> few songs on Chinese Democracy that I actually like a lot, some good ones. So yeah, no, it, it, and I also when I hear that album, it reminds me of that that year of touring with them. So sure. it was good. Yeah, and since then, I mean, even though Duff wasn't part of the uh, the lineup in 2010 um we ended up touring with duff's both of duff's other bands and he eventually wrote the forward to my book that just got released this year yes i actually yeah i saw you guys play with duff too Uh, that's right a few years after the 2010 show so that was cool for sure it was during the uh well we played with duff in australia with loaded and then we played with walking papers in america with the Dead Daisies that had Richard yep. Fortis and Dizzy and, and for a few shows, Frank on drums. So um, for the summer of 2013, we ended up playing with four Guns guys in the current lineup right now. So even though it had been 2010 and it had been a few years since that, that year of touring with them, it was great to meet up with those guys again and, and play with them every day. So cool. And we've had Mike Squires on the show, Jeff Rouse, uh, you know, people from, uh, from, uh, yeah, they're uh, great guys. Karabi as well. But now I want to talk to you about, uh, your book. Uh, I've got something to say, Danko Jones, 10 years of rock and roll ramblings. Uh, yeah. And the forward by Duff McKagan. How did that, that come to be? Where did that bond with, with Duff form that he wrote the forward to your story? Uh, well, uh, it actually happened on that 2013 tour, uh, the uproar tour. On the last day of the tour, I asked Duff if I ever wrote a book, would he write the foreword? And he said yes. Wow. And so <laughs> fast forward like three years later, and I'm getting ready in 2016 working on the book. So I emailed him, and I said, hey, you remember what you told me three years ago? <laughs> <laughs> uh, could you do that for me? And uh, he wrote me back, and he said that he was a, his world was about to get very busy. Mm. He didn't say the tour, and he goes. I just he had just finished. He had just come from the first practice, I guess, the first reunion practice, and he said his world was just about to become a hell of a lot busier. So he didn't know. He said, "I don't know if I can if I have time anymore." And so there was already a rumor going around that the reunion was going to happen. So I, I understood, and I said, "Okay, no no problem. That's cool." And I really meant it. I was like, I understood. Two days later, three days later, he just sent it to me in my inbox. He goes, ah, here you go. So that was super cool of him because I knew what he meant, even though he never said anything about the reunion. There was already, it was a bad rumor in the the music industry already. Like we had already heard just because we're, we have our ears to the ground behind the scenes. So just him knowing his world was truly going to get really busy and he still made time to write the forward to my book and kind of keep his promise, even though he didn't have to, was, yeah, I, I'll always remember that. So awesome. it's very nice of him. And, and Duff is probably the nicest, biggest rock star I've ever met. Hmm. Awesome. If that's a, if that's a, I know what That's you mean. Thing. <laughs> sure, yeah. Totally. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and I've met a few, and they're all nice. Because when you get to a certain level, there's nothing you have to prove anymore. So you, you, you don't have to be 
you don't have to be defensive about anything. So uh, contrary to what people might think, really the more successful you are, the nicer you get. Um, mm. And so for Duff to top that list of people, I mean, is 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 a big thing for me. I've met a lot of really nice, very, very big rock star people. They've all been really super cool, but Duff kind of, for me, pers- just personally speaking, he, he took a few extra steps and helped me out. I mean, these are just like little tidbits of your of your story again to be brought up on on stage with with Guns N' Roses and to have a member of Guns N' Roses write the, the forward of your book. And those are just Gene R related stories in your story. So, and I know you you, you have to go get ready for a show, so I won't keep you here uh, too much longer. But what made you want to put out a book? I mean, because you might see rock stars well, you know, in their 60s, their 70s, and, and but you're putting it out now, and you're still rocking. So why why was this year the right time to put out the Dan well, Gobble it's not story? A, it's not an autobiography. Okay. It's not my autobiography. I've been writing for rock magazines um, since 2004. Um, there was a time when I had to, I was writing for like five magazines, and I had five deadlines a month. So since that time, I only had two deadlines a month. Um, but anyways, it, it, so called from, you know, I don't know, 14, well, at the time, 10 years of of uh, essays and articles, that's what the book is about. And uh, basically, my editors would just allow me to write anything I wanted about hard rock and heavy metal because they were rock magazines. So I took the best essays and um, I put them all together in this book. So it has nothing to do with my story, or I find those kind of boring, especially for a band like us. We, we have yet to achieve like any sort of gold record or anything. We've just been a B-level band for 22 years. So there's really nothing nothing of, of note that will interest a lot of people. But I think a, a collection of essays written by someone in a band about music Oh, I guess, man, like, aren't there part of you in the essays? That's what I mean as far as, like, your story. Like, when you're talking about rock and roll, isn't, aren't you adding your experiences into the stories you're telling? Uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes. Uh, of course, it's going to be from my point of view. Right. Uh, so, of course, it's, it's not just a strict, cold review of an album or anything. Um, there are opinion pieces. And so I compiled them all together and Feral House Books uh, from America, an American book company, put them out. And, and Feral House is one of my favorite imprints. So to be on Feral House, uh, for the book to be on Feral House, to me is like you know being on a cool record label if you're in a band. Um, that's the equivalent of it for me. Feral House, if you're unfamiliar, um, put out really wild books, you know, off the beaten path kind of books. Uh, I've been reading their books for years. Uh, when I was when I was just out of high school, I bought the uh, biography on Anton LaVey. <laughs> so that was on Feral House. Lords of Chaos was put out by Feral House. Apocalypse Culture was put out by Feral House. Choosing Death, the history of death metal. Harley Flanagan from the Cro-Mags, his autobiography is out on Feral House. So there's a lot of music-centric books on Feral House, but also occult books, uh, conspiracy books just some some really outsider type themes right on themed books on feral house so to be part of that uh history and and um um uh, collection of books is 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 pleases me to no end see i want to use that word that you just said outsider rather than when you refer to yourself as b-level i think outsider is, is 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 cool and what rock and roll really is you know it's supposed to be outsider so uh, obviously, you're outside of the U.S. right now. Uh, you're, you're touring on Wildcat, right? And what, what can we expect uh, from Danko in the future? Any more essays? You know, what do we? What can we look for? Well, I, I, I haven't stopped writing. In fact, I have deadlines all throughout this tour to, to meet. Amazing. Um, so I'm going to be writing. But we finished our new album uh, last month, mixed and mastered already. We're just getting the artwork all together. It was produced by Garth Richardson, the Garth, who's well, I guess he's most notably most, most notable for producing the first Rage Against the Machine album, but he's done the Melvins and Dizzy Clyro and the, and um, uh, 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 Jesus Lizard. 
um, tons of cool bands. And so he wanted to work with us, the Gallows, he did an album for them. And, and so we wanted to work with him and he wanted to work with us. So this new album is with Garth Richardson producing. So it's uh, going to come out in April of 2019. Cool. Very cool. I mean, you're still... Still kicking ass, Dank. All these years later, and before I get you, uh, let you go, I, I want to ask this, and maybe I could be wrong, and I might edit it out, but it's 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 an it might have be an apology from from me to you. Do you remember um, playing the downtown uh, on Long Island? And I mean, I think it was you that opened up for uh, a Van Halen and a Guns N' Roses cover band. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I remember that because CKY jumped off the bill. Okay. I remember that. Okay, so I believe at the downtown you were recording a live album. Does that ring a bell too? No. No, we never did. You never did? Okay, then maybe I'm, I must be thinking of, of, a, of something else, of a band that uh, opened up for, uh, I think it was Mammoth and uh, Appetite for Destruction, uh, two cover bands. But if that, if that wasn't you... Well, yeah, we, we opened up for a Van Halen cover band and a Guns N' Roses cover band that night. Yeah. Because what I what I remember and what I want to apologize for all these years later, because I was an asshole like twenty year old, because uh, I, I remember like, hey, it's a live album. I want, and, you know, it's, I mean, it's cover bands. There weren't a lot of people there, uh, and and you guys were still kind of new, and I just yelled silence when during like a breakdown. Does that I don't know if if, if that rings a bell to you? <laughs> I'm sorry that I was such an. Uh... No, it doesn't. All right. Uh, so if if it was if it wasn't you, great. Uh, if 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 it was you, probably, I apologize. It probably was us, but I mean, I cannot remember every single second that happens in a live show. Oh, of course not. But I, one that happened in it was in uh, 2005. So probably that was a long time ago. But I remember that, and then I I need to unburden myself. And we weren't a young band. We were we were already a band for nine years. <laughs> well. I mean, it's all, I guess, relative. I know you guys have been around for a long time, but maybe in my eyes, you were uh, at the time. Well, if it is relative, then in the world of rock music, when bands just last for a couple of years, we were already dinosaurs. (laughs) I mean, in today's world, I mean, uh, maybe. But I I hear what you're saying. But either way, it's something that's been burdening me for a long time. So whether or not you remember it, I want to apologize to you, Danko. But I also want to thank you for... Uh, take, taking the time uh, today to talk to us for a little bit. Thanks a lot, Danko. Sure. No problem. You have a great show. No Thanks a lot for calling in. Yeah, have a good tour, man. You take care. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. So uh, there he goes, Danko Jones. That almost rhymed. I don't know why. I, I love the story about, uh, you know, Duff writing the forward to his book and, and you know, just... Yeah, that was definitely cool. And how, you know, GNR invited them on, on, on stage to sing, which is something that does not happens no so. that does not happen I, I mean yeah as you said Sebastian Bach's like a totally different case I mean he's friends with Axel you know what I mean and like they've had a few guests I know this tour but they weren't opening bands they were more like other A-list you know celebrity musicians like Dave Grohl and I know Pink did once I'm not right sure yeah and that Pink, doesn't so right and that doesn't count you know so right. yeah that's a kind of a different thing so it's something yeah, it's special kind of an, yeah it's kind of an honor on their part I mean you know so not many people can say they were invited on stage by Axl Rose. No, no, certainly I I can't. <laughs> certainly, yeah, so no, me neither. Unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah, with uh, Danko, uh, he's a writer. I mean, uh, he, I know we we had a limited time with him because obviously he's on tour, made time for us. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can, a, sounds like a busy dude. Yeah, I mean, just to to deal with deadlines. That's that's why I, I got out of journalism, and I'm always talking to our buddy Art Devana uh, about deadlines uh, that he has to meet. And it's difficult. So, I mean, uh, power to him. I mean, that's to be able to do yeah. it this long and the amount of work that he does and and to still look young, <laughs> good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else uh, you want to say, Alex, before your, your co-hosting duty-o- duties? <laughs> your co-hosting duties are done here at the AFD show. Any, uh, um, I mean, I know you're a private citizen, but do you have any, like, you know, things that you may want to trade with other fans or you're just like, Hey, see you at the next show or, or you can just say bye. And that's it. Well, I guess just, uh, yeah, no, I, I always look forward to, you know, taking part in anything GNR fan related, I guess you can say, you know, I've been on various GNR fan sites and message boards for God, 
over a decade now, I think. And, you know, I just, I've met so many awesome people and experienced so many cool things like this podcast. And, you know, it's just, you know, I'm honored kind of, and it's, it's good to be a part of that. So I appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, even know that you cut class, which, uh, you know, <laughs> stay in school, kids. No problem. Stay in school. Yeah, it's all good. No, I, I know. <laughs> I'm an old school kid now, so, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I kid, I kid, but I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, this this uh, opportunity offer stands going forward as long as I keep doing this this podcast, and I appreciate the— uh, Awesome, yeah. We we really appreciate it in the fan community, man. It's It's been great since you started this. What, has it been like two or almost three years now, right? I God, now that it feels bad. It might be— I don't know, it might be three years in the middle of next year, it was, but it's it was it's a little the start over two of the years. reunion tour, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, it's been yeah. uh, a weird awesome. and wild ride. So the fact that I, I continuously keep doing it, and uh, you know, I am looking into to making T-shirts. I have posted a couple of awesome. I- ideas. Yeah. So you know, obviously not going to make it uh, th- the price of something that you would buy in a Guns N' Roses uh, store, <laughs> or something. which is something, dollars. yeah, but but something that maybe that I can buy my gal an extra. Thing of fries, or and also I want to put ba- <laughs> I want to put back into the show, and that's what I said when I kind of put it out there it's on on social media. Uh, you know what I would like to do with the show, and I think to be able to because I've had offers to translate to other languages. I think that would be awesome. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, that'd be amazing, man. It, it, and they're a global band at this point, so yeah, that that'd be killer. That would be uh, amazing. So, and I don't want anyone to do because I, mean, I do this on my own time, but I'm actually technically at at work right now, uh, and I'm Maybe able we'll to, to do it at work. work time. Yeah. yeah, they they allow me to do it. I mean, it, yeah, it's on the iHeartRadio app, but I'm not being paid by our iHeartRadio. Right. It's just, you know, um, Geraldo was done recording this morning, and uh, uh, I have some time after his re- him doing his show to use the studio. <laughs> That's how it is. Nice. Yeah, Geraldo Rivera, them. He, I'm sitting uh, where he was just sitting an hour ago. <laughs> Fucking funny. Uh, Crazy, but, man. but yeah, but going forward, um, you know, and I appreciate the other people who DM'd me about, uh, this opportunity. So kudos to you, Alex, for getting in first. And thank you very much. It's been fun. And I'll, I'll ask, you know, next time, like, Hey, this seems like a good person to get a, uh, a guest for, uh, a guest co-host for, and I'll, we'll do what Alex did. Just, uh, PM me and we'll go from there. You know, you get to play yeah, radio. Right it was, uh, definitely a great experience. So yeah, no, it's, um, and for me as well, because I, I like the, what this podcast has been able to do. It's more than what Terrestrial Radio is when you speak to somebody, uh, you know, caller number nine when they're winning uh, tickets to go see right. Blue Oyster Cult. And, and, you know, you can't really get into a conversation with them. So this is just a unique way to to connect to the listener. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, just like Chinese democracy, when I'm, I want to start doing shirts. But that is something that I, I do want to start doing. I, I want to put more into this show because you guys are really giving – back a lot so i i think you're you're helping this grow um also you know um in in the meantime yeah you can still find us uh whether it be on iHeartRadio, on on spreaker on stitcher on soundcloud alternative nation.net google play itunes <laughs> on youtube uh thanks to mr raz q um i don't even know if i'm missing any but of course i'll uh, follow us on uh at the afd show on twitter or facebook.com slash the afd show as far as uh, next guests, I believe the next episode is going to be part two with uh, Arian Bueller, uh, who's been doing more oh, lithi- wow. yeah, more lithographs for for Guns N' Roses and. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of those lithographs. I'm actually sitting in my uh, spare room right now, and it's covered with ZNR lithographs from this tour. A few from him, so that's awesome. Oh, nice! I only have the yeah. the, the Duff one from NYC, the ones that Let's were. Oh, that's a cool. One. Let's see, I have Which one both of have? the 2016 Vegas ones. One of those is a Bueller. Uh, both of the Detroit ones. Both are his two. Uh, the second 2016 Chicago one, uh, let's see, San Diego from 2016, and actually a Japanese one that a friend got me. So, Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. So if you have any questions for Arian, uh, Alex, you're not going to co-host that episode, but you can feel free to submit them to me on social media. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, and, awesome. But who is going to co-host that one is going to be, uh, he's from uh, Litherati, I believe, uh, .com. Oh, yeah, his site, his site is fantastic. It's really uh it's really great to have for us, you know, GNR nerds. I mean, he has every image in full HD of all the artwork from the tour, and it's just fantastic. He does. And th- this is, again, well, how you, the listeners and fans, are giving back. So he reached out to me. He's like, I want to do a part two with Aaron. 
and he gave me a list of just things he wants to talk about. Oh, and Arian cool. was, you know, uh, gracious enough. He, he wants to come on again. So that's cool. That's most likely going to be the next episode. And uh, I, I think I can announce it. I just got to work out details. But a fan went out of his way. I said, sure, you can, you know, uh, request this person to be a guest on my show on my behalf. And I think we're going to get uh, Rob from uh, Volbeat uh, on in, oh, cool. in, wow. in, in the future. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at that. Awesome. You guys are being producers for me, co-hosts. I mean, <laughs> why am I even here? Yeah, it's good to help each other out in this community, you that, know? Th- that's what it's all about. And, yeah. um, you know, let's, let's keep this podcast train uh, going. Absolutely. And I just appreciate, again, Alex and everyone and, uh, listening. Yeah, and I guess real quick to tie in the lithograph and Danko Jones conversation, I totally forgot this, and I'm just looking. I have a small poster from the first GNR concert I attended framed in my room, and it's got Danko Jones on it. So oh, he's forever cemented there. So cool. All right. Well, I'm sure I'll yeah. relay with him. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So until the uh, the next episode of Appetite for Distortion, when are you going to see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. Um, you'll see it. I don't know if soon's the word. No! Fuck it! security, I'm going home.